Good evening, SNU. Um, so my name is Anna, like Rona introduced, and I'm really happy and blessed to be here uh, tonight. SNU is actually the first campus, the Mayus campus that I spoke at. Um, so SNU is always a very special place. Um, so I am from Virginia. I've been in Korea for about five years, and currently I'm attending seminary. And seminary is like school, like you guys. <laughs> it's a lot of work. I didn't realize that there was so much work to do <laughs> in school. But, um, you know, in seminary, I'm learning a lot of biblical theology, um, the word of God. I'm learning languages like Hebrew and Greek. It's very exciting because no one speaks that anymore. <laughs> but we have to learn it, you know. Um, so I want to start off with like a biblical joke, a Bible joke, because <laughs> this is what we learn in seminary. Uh, but you know how Adam and Eve were created by God, right? And God first created Adam. But do you know why God first created Adam and not Eve? <laughs> He's really wondering over there. But God didn't first create Eve because if Eve was first created, she would have been like, um, God, no, 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 a little taller, a little taller. No, 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 he's too fat. Make him skinnier, skinnier. Can he have, you know, some like, what's wrong with his eyes? Make it bigger. You know, so that was a joke I have. All right, I want to begin off by uh, pray. Let's pray. <laughs> Uh, God, we just thank you so much for uh, gathering us today. On this beautiful Tuesday, we thank you for what you are doing currently in this campus. And we pray, Father, for your glory to come as we are hungry to meet you, to encounter you. Uh, so, Lord, I, I just welcome your Holy Spirit. And in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Amen. Uh, so, if you guys have your Bible with me, can you guys turn to John chapter 20? Huh? Okay. John 20. So John chapter 20, verse 24 to 29. And let me read that for you guys. It says, Now Thomas, one of the twelve, called the twin, was not with them when Jesus came. So the other disciples told him, We have seen the Lord. But he said to them, Unless I see in his hands the mark of the nails and place my finger into the mark of the nails and place my hand into his side, I will never believe. Eight days later, his disciples were inside again, and Thomas was with them. Although the doors were locked, Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. Then he said to Thomas, put your finger here and see my hands and put out your hand and place it in my side. Do not disbelieve, but believe. Thomas answered him, my Lord and my God. Jesus said to him, have you believed because you have seen me? Blessed are those who have not seen and yet have believed. So Thomas is one of the 12 disciples and uh, we're going to look at the life of Thomas, and see why he was known as an apostle Thomas. Uh, thing is, Thomas is current, like, is really, like, commonly known as the doubting Thomas, right? So whenever I think of Thomas, I always grew up thinking, oh, he's that disbeliever, you know, <laughs> the one that didn't believe Jesus. Um, 
but Thomas was actually set apart. Uh, but for a long time, Thomas is still now known as the Doubting Thomas. And that's so strange because if you look at when Thomas was like first mentioned in the early chapters of John, um, Thomas is the one that says, uh, let's follow Jesus till even though we die. Even if we have to die, let's follow Jesus. That's the type of Thomas that Thomas was. But by the end of John, he's known as one that doubted Jesus' resurrection. And he's the one that said, I will not believe until I see him. Um, so I want to kind of ask the question, why did he doubt? Why? What made him doubt? What made this Thomas, who was the first to say, no, we're going to follow Jesus till our death, be the first one to actually say, no, I'm not going to believe until I, I place, I touch his body. What made him doubt? And the first reason uh, I would like to give you guys is it's because he loved Jesus. Like, think about it. Thomas was with Jesus for three years. Within three years, he learned from him. He ate with him. He talked with him for three years, 24-7. He was with Jesus. And at the end of three years, someone that he grew to love, grew to know, ended up dying before his eyes. And as he sees Jesus crucified, he can't help but see how he died and the pain in his heart and say, I don't believe because I've seen him. I love him so much. And yes, I want him to be alive, but I saw him die and I love him. I want him to be alive just as much as you, but it, you guys need to get over the fact that he died. He's not going to come back. And I feel like he doubted because he loved Jesus so much, right? Um, so when, when you are spending, like, so much time with someone, you're, you're going to get to know all about them. And in that way, your relationship with them deepens. And it grows deeper. You start to know what they like, what they don't like. You start to know, like, little habits um, and like, you know, when you live with roommates, you start to know who walks in through the door just by the way that they walk. Or you start to know who woke up first, first just by the way that they chew, right? Like, so I, I lived with um, five girls before I moved to Busan to do a church plant. But these five girls, like, we're ridiculous, right? So Kathleen was one of the girls that we lived, I lived with. And uh, the five of us lived in an apartment with three bedrooms. So that doesn't make sense because there's five girls and three bedrooms, right? So what ended up happening was Kathleen and I shared a bed in the living room. Like, that's very intimate, guys. I don't know if you guys share a bed <laughs> with someone, but sharing a bed with, like, another person that wasn't really my family I started to know exactly what their habits were. Like, <laughs> so I'm gonna put her on blast. Uh, she's your staff, right? You guys love her? Yeah, yeah. All right, so don't judge her. But um, there's five of us and um, we would all gradually wake up. But Kathleen was the last one to wake up every day. Like, around, like, 10, 10 a.m., oh, she's going to wake up. No, okay, 11, okay, noon, and then 1 o'clock, finally. 
mid-afternoon she wakes up. Uh, but she was the last one to wake up every day, so she gradually started to know like who was up just by the way that they like we ate breakfast. So like, when Sarah would wake up, she that's Sarah. Oh, Sarah, be quiet, you know? Like that's how intimate we became. And imagine Thomas is living with Jesus, and he starts to know how Jesus sounds. He starts to know when Jesus has to go to the bathroom. You know, like, these intimate details that no one will know unless you share life with them. And Thomas, as he was sharing life with Jesus, he became intimately known with Jesus. So to see the one that he loved so much crucified, that hurt, that agony of of my beloved dying on the cross, not just dying, but to see him suffering. There was this level of pain and this level of heartache that he experienced because he loved the Lord. So in some ways, as we look at doubting Thomas, we can't just judge him and say, oh, he's one that didn't believe in God. You know, because imagine living with someone for three days and then seeing them crucified and that pain they go through, man, I I think if I was in that position, I would have been like, I need to see him. I need to touch him. So I believe that the first reason of why he, he doubted Jesus coming back alive was because he loved Jesus so much. And the second reason of why he, he needed uh, proof was because he needed to see with his own eyes. You know, like he, he saw Jesus being crucified, but he's hearing like his friends saying, no, he's alive. I saw him. And basically it's showing versus telling. What the disciples are telling with the words, that's the contradiction that he's seeing. Oh, I saw with my own eyes what was happening. Everything that was being done to Jesus, I saw. But disciples are telling him words, saying, no, 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 he's alive. He's like, what? I don't believe your words. I believe what I saw, the action that, was, that I've seen versus the words that you're telling me, right? So I don't, I don't know about you guys, but... Like, my, my love language is, is action. So when, when people, like, come up to me and they say, oh, Anna, like, I love you. Like, you're so smart. Like, I really care for you. All these words that they give me, like, I feel good. Like, oh, thanks. Like, oh, thanks. That makes me feel, like, more confident. But if someone, like, gives me, like, like candy, you know, like someone like pulls out chair for me as I'm sitting down. Someone gives me food when I'm hungry. I feel so loved. Like, dang, you're showing me action. You went out of your way to, to show how much you love me. Like that, I put more power and more emphasis on just because that's the way I receive love, you know? Um, so I guess I want to show you, tell you a story of like how, like how deep like action is to me so i don't know if you guys noticed but like there's some bling bling right here does it kind of blind blind you guys yeah. <laughs> so uh yesterday or monday monday sunday sunday i remember <laughs> so sunday um i actually ended up getting engaged with one of our pastors at um new philly <laughs> yeah thank you <laughs> Um, but I remember when we were, like, dating, um, 
he he would like tell me a lot that like Anna I care for you I love you know all these things and like honestly it felt nice but words of affirmation are the lowest on my list like it's 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 just low right because um, the way that my dad showed me love wasn't words like he only said I love you and I'm proud of you two times in the year one for my birthday and one for Christmas like <laughs> so you know like when he and he didn't tell he like wrote it in letters so like that's why I love letters but you know I only grew up like hearing those kind of words uh, two times in a year but like my dad the way he showed me love was acts like acts of service like he was the one that when my stomach hurt my mom was like oh cha kyang cha you're okay right but like he would come to my bed and then rub my stomach and then the next day I wake up and he's like he's falling asleep next to my bed because he rubbed my stomach the whole night you know like that's the type of dad I had um so like even like eating stuff like pistachio crabs whatever I never had to get my hands dirty because he would always just, you know, so I just ate, like, yeah, so, you know. <laughs> so, like, coming from this type of dad that, like, really showed me action to, um, like, a boyfriend or fiancé that, like, like, you know, showed me less action was, like, <laughs> was very different. So, <laughs> for him, I, man, this is re- being recorded, I have to be really, um, really good but anyways for him he's really good at showing words like he he lavishes words sometimes he showers me with words so much that I'm like "Mm, I feel shy you know but like his um like like my lowest is worse his lowest is action right so um I remember one day like he went to speak um in America for a conference so he went and spoke there, but within that time, it was my first day of school in seminary, and then this was, like, the first time we started dating, you know? So, like, like I remember I, like, like gave him stuff as he went to America, you know, because I'm trying to show him love, and then he's like, oh, thank you, I feel so loved, and then a couple of days passes, and I, I feel less loved. Like, you're away while I'm experiencing school, and I feel sad, you know what I mean? So I remember, like, I was trying to hold it in, but I'm really bad at, like, trying to hold my emotions <laughs> so like we were talking on the phone and this is after my first day of school my first day of classes and I come home and I'm just like I don't feel loved and I just I'm just sad and disappointed right um so we're talking on the phone and he's like you know like how was school you know I love you I'm like yeah right you don't love me you know and eventually we started talking about like I feel like you don't love me. You say that you love me, but how am I supposed to believe that? It's just your words. You need to show me that you love me. Use action. Don't you know that's not how I receive love? You know, like all these things. And I'm just like, I was like, in my head, I'm like, hold it, Anna. Hold it. Like, this is not a woman of grace. Like, just be kind, be patient. But I just couldn't stop. I just felt like words just come out. And by the, like, the next thing I know, I had spilled everything. How unhappy I was. And right in the middle of, like, you suck. I didn't say that, but I was like, you person, you know, like, I just feel so unloved. I'm so sad. I hear the doorbell go, ding, ding, right? So I'm like, hold on. Like, someone rang the doorbell. (laughs) So I opened the doorbell, and then it's this tekbe ajoshi. And he was like, can you sign for this? And I look, and it's a huge box of flowers inside. And And then I sign. I'm so confused, and I grab the flowers, 
And I look at my phone on the other hand, and I'm like, dang it. <laughs> I, I just ranted to him, you know, like, like I had the phone away, and I hear him, hello, hello. I'm like, So at that moment, I just felt like such a fool. Because <laughs> here I was complaining, you know, that like your words doesn't carry much weight when actually it was coming all along, his action of love. And I feel like with Thomas, maybe his love language was acts of service or he put more emphasis on what was shown rather than what was told. So for him, when his friends and his the people that, you know, he shared life with was saying, no, Jesus is alive. We saw him. You have to believe us. Thomas is saying, what? Your words are telling me one thing, but what I saw, the action that I saw take place, that carries a lot more power for me. But Thomas even with his doubts and even with his questions and even with his confusion, uh, Jesus was not moved by any of that. Uh, just like uh, Thomas doubted, I want to go into what Jesus does in the midst of our doubts. So as, as Thomas is doubting and, and very confused, what does Jesus do? He actually, uh, it says here in the text that Jesus came and he said, peace be with you. And even though the doors were locked, they, they were shut tight, Jesus somehow came through and he said, peace. And he went straight for Thomas and said, Thomas, what is wrong with you? Do you not believe the words that your friend has spoken over you? Jesus didn't do that. Jesus didn't indict Thomas for his disbelief. He didn't scold Thomas. He didn't rebuke Thomas. But he goes over there ever so gently and he says, Thomas, touch my hands. Feel my side. Do you feel these marks that were done to me? And Jesus, in that moment, even though he didn't have to allow Thomas to touch his hands, Jesus offered him kindness, and he extended grace. He said, Thomas, I want to give this to you. I invite you to my kindness. I invite you into my presence. And through that one gentle, gentle moment, Thomas instantly said, my Lord, my God. And this is actually um, the first place in the Bible where it's mentioned, uh, my Lord, my God, together. And this is a, a, like a, a confession that Thomas says. As soon as Thomas touches the marks that, that made Jesus pierced on his side and nails on his hands, Thomas declares with his own mouth, you are my Lord, you are my God. And he makes this confession onto Jesus. So as Jesus shows him grace and kindness, through that, in the middle of Thomas doubting, that doubt changes into faith. And with that faith, Thomas is never the same again. You know, Thomas is known to be the doubting Thomas. But 
if you look at the rest of his life, after that moment, he is never the Doubting Thomas again. He actually is the disciple that went the furthest east. So out of all of the 12 disciples, out of all the 11 that saw him first, or the 10 that saw him first, he's the one that saw him last, had that doubt, had that confusion, had those questions, but he's the one that kept going further and further east because that one encounter changed his life. You know, there was a time when I was so confused in my faith. I I grew up Christian. Like, I grew up going to church week after week. And my church was, like, huge. Like, we had program, like, week after week, sometimes three or four times a night, just because it was one of the biggest Korean churches on the East Coast, right? So every single night, almost we were at church. So that's the type of background I had. But growing up, I... Like, pretty soon as, especially when I went to college, I got very tired of it. And I said, man, I feel like my life is just church. My life is just do this, don't do that. My life is just you have to be a good person, don't be a bad person. You know, and I just grew so tired and confused. And is this, is this what it's all about? Is this what believing God is all about? And I remember there was a time when I was like, man, you know what? If this is it, then I'm done. Like, I'm exhausted. I just want to have fun. I feel like Christians don't have fun, you know? So I basically, in the middle, like in my last year of college, I shut the door on God and said, I'm going to do whatever I want. So as I did whatever I want, it was a lot of fun (laughs) for like a month. (laughs) And then after a while, it got like, like routine, like really old, you know, like party after party, drinking after drinking. And like, I remember eventually I was even exhausted from that. And there was a moment I went to my room. And by this point, I was so like, man, I tried to find my satisfaction in God, but I felt like I didn't. I tried to find my satisfaction in what I wanted to do and how I wanted my life to look like, but I didn't. So I remember I knelt down in my room and I said, God, I don't know if you're real. You, you need to show me that you're real. I'm desperate for you to reveal to me that you love me, that you care about me. I've heard that, but do you really? Do you really love me? Not just your people, but me, Anna. And in that moment, I just knelt and I said a very bold and unorthodox prayer. I said, God, just show me. I just want to see. And in that time, something happened where I, ever since that moment, it changed my life. That was the first time the Holy Spirit came into my room. And I I remember I was kneeling there, and all of a sudden, I just felt Holy Spirit come. And I, I saw, I felt like Jesus was right in front of me saying, I love you. Like, it was so weird. It was just as if another person, like, right here, right across from me, verbally saying, I love you. 
and then in the moment, he was gone. And I looked around, and I knew immediately it was Jesus, but where is he? You know, everyone, anyone, if I tell the story, they would say, but was he real? But man, that one encounter, I have never looked back. After that one encounter, I have never questioned Jesus again. I have never doubted Jesus again. And from that one encounter, I knew that he was so real and that he loved me that I started going hard after Jesus. Of course, there are times when I grew discouraged and I grew weary, but each time I came before the Lord, he was faithful to show me, I love you. I care for you. And I feel like whenever we are lacking in our faith, just like Thomas was, doubting, confused, having questions, when we ask Jesus, Jesus, can you come? I want you. In his ever kindness and gentleness, he will come and extend an invitation saying, hey, look at me. I'm here. And through his kindness, he leads us to repentance. You know, Thomas was one that went to ancient Babylon, which is Iraq. And then he went to Persia, which is Iran. And then he went all the way to the west coast of India. And when the Portuguese came into India in 1600, they found a group of people that were Christians And they found out that this group of Christians were actually people that started believing in God because Thomas had come a millennium year before. From that long time ago, generations and ages after Thomas died, because Thomas had that one powerful encounter, he went straight to the ends of the earth through one million years later. There was still a people group that believed and confessed in the name of Jesus. You know, when Thomas touched the scars on Jesus' hands and felt his sighs, that led immediately to a confession of, you are my Lord, you are my God. Lord in, in Greek means kyrio, which is Lord, master. You are my overseer. You are one that is over me. You are one that sees me. You are one that is above me. But for him to also say, you are my God, my, my Theo, you are my God, is saying you are God Almighty. Not only are you master and overseer over me, but you are God Almighty. You are one that is sovereign. You are one that sees. You are Alpha Omega, one that knows from beginning to end because you have extended your kindness to me. You know, God is not offended by your questions or doubts. In fact, if you are honest before the Lord, he will come and extend his kindness to you. And I feel like a lot of times we have uh, shame because we think, man, I can't bring this before God. Like, he's not going to, he's God. He's going to see my imperfections and judge me. I can't come before my familiar leader. What, what is she going to think of me? I can't share with my friends. They might think the worst of me. But you can ask those questions. 
and you can have those doubts, but do not stay there. Thomas did not stay and wallow in his in his love for Jesus. Oh, I'm, I love him. That's why I can't see him. Oh, I love him. So, so I know what I saw. No, but as soon as Jesus encountered him, he could not stay in that place of doubt. Rather, he was moved forward exponentially with boldness and courage because that one encounter raised up faith. 